Hey friends from Citizens LA. Uh, I, I've really missed being in person with you guys. And over the last month, it has really been heavy with me to know how heavy the world has been for you and how, how much the evil around us with racism and violence has really affected your community. And I want you to know that your ache uh, has been an ache for me and, and many other in the church and that we are with you in your pain. And so what I wanna do this morning with you is go through a text that I shared with college students earlier this year from Revelation 4. So if you have a Bible um, or on the computer or your phone, you can read along with me. This is from Revelation chapter four. After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven and with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. And around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed with white garments, with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings, and peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne on each side of the throne are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind, and the first living creature like a lion, the seventh living creature like an ox, and the third living creature like the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes and around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. This is God's word. I want to ask you to just remember a time in your life when you felt like life was over and you wish you had the ability to go back and tell yourself it's not. It's going to be okay. I remember around the pool party in sixth grade when Anna Wharton broke my heart in front of everybody's uh, presence telling me it's over. We're no, we're no longer dating. We're no longer boyfriend and girlfriend. And the humiliation of the moment in sixth grade, I just thought junior high is going to be terrible. Life is over. And it clearly wasn't. And the hard emotions that I had in the moment, even in sixth grade, they were not fake. But there is a wisdom that I have now in life that I wish I could go back and tell myself to say, it's going to be okay. See, what John wants to do for us in this text from Revelation is, is tell us something that God has already done that's going to be, it's true for us in the universe now, that if we know it and grab a hold of it, we can, we can really go tell ourselves in the hardest of moments, it's going to be 
Okay. See, the book of Revelation, it, it's not a code book for how the world is going to end. What it is, is a series of visions where John has the veil removed and he can see behind the curtain about what God is doing in the world and what he has already done and actually the activity that exists behind the curtain that sin and death has sort of veiled for us that we can't see with our worldly eyes. But if one day we can, we will fully see how God is ruling and reigning in the world. And that's what Revelation is about. To tell us things that are true now. Things that Jesus has already done and is reigning and ruling now. It's not telling us anything new. It's telling us in a clear and vivid way what the Bible says thousand times over. That is, Jesus is the King. And he is in charge. And he is reigning and he is ruling in the world in this moment. And we can't quite see it fully now, but one day we will fully see it. And what John wants to tell us from this text is that he has fully seen. And what he has fully seen, if it comes in our life now, it will answer a really profound question. And this is the question. In life, do you really need to know uh, how you can have perfect circumstances to have a content, joyful life? Or do you need to know wisdom and what John knows for any circumstance to be able to navigate life? So let's answer that question this morning uh, because Revelation is for vivid uh, learners. Let's learn it through four images in this text. One, the throne two, the rainbow, three, the creatures, and four, the door. These are sort of the, the loud images in this text. So first, the throne. Forty times in the book of Revelation and 11 times in these verses, we see the word throne. It's the centerpiece of the entire book of Revelation, and it's the centerpiece of this text. Everything revolves around the throne. The creatures, the creation, the decorations, everything is about it. Now, what, what's the throne communicating? It's communicating that something is at the center of everything and everything revolves around it. And no matter what you believe, you really have a universe where something is the center and everything revolves around it. Whether it's nothing, and that leads to meaninglessness, or it's you, and that leads to selfishness, or it's a worthy being, and it leads to everything being revolved around that being. And what John saw is that there was a throne in the middle of the universe and God was seated on it. Not he was going to sit, not he had some sitting moments, he was seated, which means he is firmly in that throne permanently. And it's telling us this, that God is in control, excuse me, is in the center of everything. And everything is revolving around his existence. And then it says in verse 5 and 6 that lightning and thunder and rumblings are coming from it, which means that there's overwhelming power. And so not only is he in control, he has unbelievable power. And then it says in verse 6 that there's a sea of glass that was like complete crystal. Now, the sea in the ancient Near East was thought to be the untamable reality. Uh, it was a picture of chaos, uh, thought to be ruled by multiple gods uh, who could direct the sea, but they could never tame it. But around this throne, the sea is utterly calm. 
And it's telling us this, that not only does everything revolve around the throne, but everything is, is, is ruled by its power. And even the untamable things are, are being controlled by it. That is, God is not only the center of the world, not only does he have the power over the world, but he is sovereignly controlling everything in the world. And learning that is one of the most helpful things that you can ever tell yourself for navigating a chaotic life where you need wisdom to tell yourself things are going to be okay. Because so much of life is after the chasing of control. You know, when things don't feel okay, we feel like we're falling out of control and we've got to figure out how to get control back. But the pursuit of that is actually one of the most dangerous, uh, dysfunctional things we can do in life. Do you remember the TV show uh, Breaking Bad? Many TV uh, critics and reviewers consider it uh, one of the best, if not the best TV show ever. Uh, it's about this character, Walter White, who builds a drug empire and has his life spiral out of control while he's doing it. And the interesting thing about Walter White is he has this meth empire, but he never actually tries drugs. But if you actually read into the shows, he does have a drug, and it's control. In fact, he tells people uh, things like, uh, I live life on my time, on my moments, and the one rule in life is never, ever, ever give up control. And the more he's losing control, the crazier he gets, and the more he tries to grab towards it. And the more he tries to grab towards it, everybody's life around him falls out of control. And so we learn this, you know, like the pursuit of control is burdensome, but the attempt to attain it is the biography of a sociopath. And you know what God is doing by being on that throne and being sovereign and John telling us this? It's that John is trying to protect you and I from becoming our own version of Walter White, where we think the pursuit and attainment of control is a pursuit of wisdom. Because it's not the pursuit of wisdom, it's the pursuit of a sociopath life. And the first, first image that we need to see here, if we want the wisdom to be able to navigate all circumstances, is to see the throne. That God is in complete control of everything. But secondly, the second image we have is that there's a rainbow. See, in verse 3 it says there's a rainbow hovering over the throne. And it had the appearance of an emerald. Now, what is this rainbow? It probably almost certainly comes from Genesis chapter 9. See, in Genesis chapter 9, God had come to Noah and said, this world is evil. They've rebelled against me, and so I'm going to bring about a flood. And so he sort of cleanses the world of rebellion with the power and control of a flood. But then he says to Noah, I'm, I'm, I'll promise you I will never, ever do this again, that I will never, ever use my power to destroy the world like this again. I will use my power actually for redemption and renewal of this world. And the sign of that promise is the rainbow. So he gives Noah this, this, pictorial, this pictorial image to say, I will never ever use my power for anything like this again, but I will use it for actually the renewal and redemption of this world. And so what the rainbow is telling us around the throne is that if you're a Christian, it's a promise that God's control and power comes 
with a promise that he uses his control and power and sovereignty for good. That nothing happens apart from his control and nothing is done without his goodness. And that's what the rainbow means. Now, here we are in 2021, coming off of the, one of the most traumatic years our, any of us ever know. And this year doesn't feel like it's gotten a whole lot better. And for a community much like Citizens LA, it feels like uh, evil is not just prevalent, but in some ways winning the day. Have you seen those YouTube videos of uh, the drive through ghost where the person uh, dresses up in the same color of the upholstery and goes through like the, the fast food drive through And so when they pull up, it looks like there's no one behind the wheel and people are kind of panicking. I mean, that's a bit like what 2021 feels like. Is, is, is anybody driving this life? Or a thing, is this just a car sort of going out of control? I mean, how in the world can we look at what's happening and say, not only is God in control, but he's good and in control? Well, there's a place where the Apostle Paul talks about this very thing, and he says in Romans 8, 28, he says, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, right away, we need to acknowledge that those verses have been so poorly used for so many people, like a cheap platitude, when you've gone through something sad, like, uh, hey, no worries, God has a purpose, God is using this for good. That's not what these verses mean. Uh, because the only way that these verses uh, can be understood and grabbed a hold of is that there, it's a promise that one day we will see that everything that happened in the universe will come together like a tapestry to make sense of all the, the moments that don't make sense. Like the key word when he says is all things work together is together that now they don't make sense, but one day they will make sense. I mean, it, it's not saying for Christians that uh, good things are actually bad things, nor is it saying uh, that good things are a consolation for bad things. It's saying like Joseph, one day you will be able to look back and say everything that I thought was terrible was actually being worked in a whole new way. It, it, it's saying that God is going to show us that the bad things in our life were used to bring about a healing and redemption that's even a better healing and redemption than we would have sought for on ourselves had we not had the bad things happen to us. And what the rainbow around the throne is promising us with Romans 8.28 is that the bad things that happen to you and around you are not lost on God. It's saying that there's definitely going to be clouds in life. There's definitely going to be moments that don't make sense in the moment. And one day they will make sense. And so what we have to do is remember that the rainbow in these things are a promise that God is still good, even when we can't see it, because one day we're promised we will see it. Look, there was a girl in Memphis, Tennessee, who, uh, when she was 12 years old, got diagnosed with terminal cancer. And while she was in um, the hospital, 
uh, she kept a diary. She wrote verses in it to help her believe. She wrote prayers out. She wrote letters to friends. She remembered good moments. And when she was 14, she lost her life. And when her parents were cleaning out her hospital room, and uh, an index card fell out of the journal that just said, the moon is round. And her father tried to make sense of, why would my daughter say this? The moon is round. What, what's she trying to say? And then he realized that my daughter's life was trying to hold on to something that made no sense when she was trying to hold on to it. He thought, when you go out at night and you look up at the moon, sometimes you see, you know, a half moon. But other times you see sort of a crescent moon. Sometimes you see a full moon. We see everything. And other times you see a full eclipse and you can't see the moon at all. But no matter what you can go out and see, the shape of the moon is round. Look, whether you see half of it or none of it, the moon is round. And what this little girl was doing is saying, I have cancer. God has told me he's in control and that he's good. None of that makes sense right now. So the only way that I'm going to navigate this situation with any joy and hope is if I tell myself something is true even when I can't see it. And in my life right now, it's not just a half moon or, or a crescent. It's a full eclipse. But I will hold on to the promise that God is good, that there is a rainbow. And I will navigate that with joy and with hope, knowing what I can't see one day, I will be able to fully see a full moon. And while I'm in eclipse, I will say that the moon is round. And what that little girl did that we need to do is understand when hard moments and clouds are here, rarely will you be able to connect the dots of providence. Rarely will you be able to see the evil and connect it to the promises of God. But you are told that one day you will. And in order to get through that moment, you've got to look at the rainbow and say that the moon is round. Because that's what it's screaming to you. Never forget that God is in control and that his sovereignty and his power is used for our good. There's a throne, there's a rainbow, but then there's thirdly, there's creatures. See, the first part of this text describes for us the throne and what's around it. But the second half describes what's happening around it. And the descriptions given in verses 7 and 8, they're really odd. We're told there's all of these uh, different types of beings and what they're doing around. But remember, they're symbolic. They're not photographic. And they're, and they're probably trying to recount sort of the creation order to us. Uh, it's almost a summary of Genesis 1 uh, with imagery. There's birds, there's animals, there's man, and then there's the angelic beings. And the eyes of them are front and back, indicating that they can see everything and see clearly. And that they can see that God is good and that he is using his good for the renewal and the beautiful redemption of everything. 
And when they see this, when they see what things are, hap are happening, they're saying things like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That is, they're not seeing how he's using this world and saying he's not a good God. They're saying there is no God like this. And in Hebrew poetry, it doesn't repeat for emphasis. Excuse me, it doesn't rhyme. It repeats for emphasis. So normally it would just say holy, holy to emphasize how, how good and holy God is. But this is a holy, holy, holy. It is a unique, emphatic emphasis that there is no one like this. And you know what, this, this verse, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's the only time in the New Testament that this verse is used. Now, what are these beings teaching us, saying and seeing God like this? They're teaching us this. If you want to be able to navigate life, believing that God is sovereign and in control and that he is good, the way to train your life to begin to live like that is to worship, is to declare who God is and to sing it and to believe it and to get your mind to believe things that your feelings and sometimes will have to catch up to. And nothing will do that more than to begin to worship. Now, does that mean we should just put on ear pods and listen to Good Good Father uh, all the time? No, worship is, is way more profound than that. Look, in a sad way, we have really truncated the idea of worship to, to believing it's just singing and music. That's like believing the game of baseball is just two people throwing the ball back and forth with one another. Look, worship is so much more, is so much more profound, so much more involved than just singing. Singing is a beautiful little part of it. What worship is, one author said, is, is just nothing more than what happens to you when you find something that you value. It, it, it's the giving of your emotions and, and time and resources to something that's an end in itself. Look, it, it's not just this abstract feeling uh, where we just say, okay, God is good and I will say that. Look, it, it has a transformative power that if you will grab a hold of, it will change you into something that's made for that object of worship. See, if you worship and you, you sing and you pray and you meditate and you live out the idea that God is sovereign and good and you sing and you believe that, then you will begin to be changed into somebody who actually lives like he is sovereign and good in control. Let me, let me sort of say this to you negatively to illustrate this. Look, whatever you love will ultimately shape you into who you are. Look, if you love control, you will become anxious. If you love comfort, you will become passive. If you love attention, you will become envious. And see, what John is saying, if you want to live somebody like somebody who's free and who's trusting and who's wise and can navigate everything, then you need to love a God who is sovereign and good and in control and say, even when I can't see it, he is holy, 
holy, holy, holy. And I need to live out and declare these promises to myself when I can see it clearly in my life and when I can half see it and when I can't see it at all. So that in the moments that are hard to believe, I'll have enough of it built deep within my soul to where it just oozes out of me when life cuts me. And I'll, I will worship the throne in the rainbow in such a way that when there are clouds and I can't see it, I can still believe it. That's what the beings are doing for us. See, there's a throne, there's a rainbow, there's beings. But lastly, to help us make sense of this, there is a door. Look, what can you do if that feels really far from you? Look, what do you do if, if the answer is to worship and this morning you feel really bitter or really cold and apathetic because of ha what's happened in your life or you've been on virtual ministry for a year and you've not been able to be connected, what will take your hearts from gray to gold? What, what will take it from bitterness to worship? It's verse one. Look what he says, behold, a door standing open in heaven. Look, he's saying this. The throne room where the broken parts of our story, where the things that don't make sense, the place where they are molded together with other parts of this world to make a majestic tapestry that will one day more than explain what happened to us and will lead us to worship him when we see what he's done with it, it's wide open for us. Access to the center and the meaning in the universe is given to us right now. And it's open for anyone. And you don't have to earn it. You don't have to even be spiritually vibrant to be able to access it. It is wide open for all of us to walk through in this moment. Even if you have a full eclipse and can't see any of it, there is no prerequisite for you to be able to walk in and given the beautiful hope and access to know that God is on the throne and there is a rainbow in everything he is doing. If you could see it, you would fall down and say, there is no one like this God. Even the full evil that you have tasted in the past week, if you could see what he's doing with it, you would only have one response. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the access to begin to make sense of that is wide open for you, even if your heart has no trust. How is that? Well, if you go back to the week before, excuse me, the passage before, in chapter 3, Jesus says he is standing at the door and knocking. And, you know, so many people have taken that to uh, as like an evangelistic passage, as if Jesus is standing at your heart and knocking on it. But it's the exact opposite. Because what we learn here is that he is in the throne room and he is knocking on the door. It is not him knocking on our door. It's him knocking on the inside of heaven. And he's not asking us to muster up enough courage to open our door. He has opened his door for us. See, the open door for heaven 
It's open by grace, not by morality, not by religious fervor. It's his hands, not our hands. Why? Because on the cross, when Jesus died for us, it was a full eclipse and there was no rainbow. And what happened was he was thrown out of the throne room. He was thrown out and the door was shut full so that you and I could be given full access. But on the third day, what we celebrated last week, the resurrection, you know what it certified for us? Resurrection certifies that the door to heaven is permanently open. And one day our lives will make as much sense as, as Easter did for Good Friday. Do you know that on Good Friday, Nobody sat there in the evil and in the pain and was like, you know what? This is amazing. Jesus is healing the world right now. In fact, uh, uh, Peter, are you writing down the hymns? Like, are you, are you writing down, lift high the cross, crown him with many crowns? Nobody saw that. In fact, they all felt probably what you have felt in the last month or so with all of the evil. This is only sad. This makes no sense. How is God good? But on the third day when Jesus rose from the grave, it didn't just end the evil. And it wasn't just a consolation for the evil. It made sense of the evil. It made sense of Good Friday in a way that they went, that's what God is doing. He was forgiving our sins. And it made so much clarity and so much sense of it. They, they didn't just say, thank God that ended. They began to sing and celebrate it. And what Easter guarantees is that will happen to all of the little terrible moments in your life. And Revelation 4 is saying right now, you have been given a little access to that. And it is wide open for you to walk through this morning and take a step in. And you know what? It's telling you that when you begin to see what one day you will see, you will learn it's not just okay. It will be more than okay. And that's really all the wisdom that you need in life to navigate everything that you will go through. Let me pray for us. Father, if we could see and taste what John saw in the throne, that the sea is calm and the thunder and the power roll from it and the creatures who can see everything they see through all the distractions in the world they see through the evil and they say you are holy and good lord if we could see it then we would be wise and we would be okay burn that on our souls this morning to know it and taste it in christ's name amen